Okay, my guest today is my friend Andrea Castanetti and founder of the Castanetti Realty Group. You know, I was just thinking about this like five minutes ago before we started. Do you realize we've been friends like 25 years? Crazy, isn't it? It really is. It, it, it's it's <laughs> bananas. I was thinking back because I want to start uh, by talking about CRG and how that came to be and what that, you know, all that stuff. But I was thinking beforehand, I mean, I know of at least three businesses you've owned, so I know it's not your first one. And then you've got right. the Kindness Coalition too. So I want um, and I want to talk about all that. But it got me thinking to the juice bar that you had way, way back in oh, the God. in the gym that we both worked at <laughs> when we were in like college years, uh, and made me th- like I I just hadn't thought. But that's like twenty five years ago. Well, first of all, I'm only thirty, Adam. So let's slow down. Right, you know, my math must be yet. off. My bad. Yeah, I forgot. My math must be off. <laughs> <laughs> 10, 15 yeah, that years. That was, um, I was 20 years old when I bought my first business at, at family fitness. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. It was, all, uh, yeah, it is crazy. And you've been like a serial entrepreneur ever since, but let's start with your current, uh, business the Castanetti Realty Group. Tell yeah. me, tell me what it is about you guys that makes it different and what's the business all about? Okay. So I started my business. Um, I opened two and a half years ago. I've been a realtor for less than five. Um, when I was selling my last business that we'll get into, you know, I said, well, now what? I was 40 years old, you know, turning 40. And I'm like, you know, I've never worked a nine to five job. I've never been, you know, in a cubicle or worked for somebody. So I said, well, you know, what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah. Someone had said real estate. And I was like, you know what, that kind of makes sense. Like I love working with people, you know, my personality. Um, you know, at the time I was doing a lot of charity too. So I said, you know, what better way to combine both of my passions and do, you know, selling real estate, working with people, but also combining it with, you know, obviously starting my nonprofit that I did at the same time. Yeah. And I want to talk about both. I was curious about the real estate part and how you got into that. If I, if I remember you started working for another uh, company, right? When you got your license to get some experience. Yeah. And then I, and then all of a sudden, boom, you had your own shop. And I was like, wow, she's ma- making something else happen. Yeah. But I was curious how you picked real estate. You know, it's a, it's out of everything. It's a perfectly noble profession, but you went from the last one was a tanning salon, right? It was. Yeah. yeah. So I was curious how, how you, how you've made the leap. Yeah. So, you know, I owned my tanning salons and spas for 10 years. Um, and then I was approaching 40 and I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? you know, and I just needed something where I just, I need flexibility. I like to do, you know, go to the gym in the morning, work when I want, you know, granted, I don't work a 40 hour week. I work probably 90 hours a week, right, yeah. but it's on my own time. Right. Um, you know, I just, I know my personality and I just could never work under anybody, but mm-hmm. you know, I got my license, you know, I took the class, got my license and you have to work under a broker for a few years, yep. um, you know, just to be able to go off on your own. But basically like two years into it, I said, you know, uh, again, I can't work for anybody. I need to just do my own thing. And, you know, I found someone to come into my business with me as like, they call it a broker of record, um, until I could have okay. my broker's license. And then, you know, I just opened up, took that chance. Everyone said I was crazy and I have no business opening my own brokerage. And I said, watch me. And here we are. Yeah. And why not? Right. I mean, it's, it's sort yeah. of a self-fulfilling business. I mean, you have to be involved in, in architecting, but essentially the, all the brokers, underneath the the company are almost like little mini entrepreneurs, right? They're out there making their own things happen. They're, yeah, they're all, I, I tell all my agents, you're all a business owner. Granted you work, you know, under me, you know, my name's on the door, who cares, but they're all, it's their own business. They put in what they want. You know, if they don't want to work, they don't work. And get out what they um, want. Right. But you know, with me opening, you know, I was a little more comfortable just because I've owned a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm used to taking chances and you know, what's the worst that can happen if you fail? Then you do something else. Right. It didn't work. You learn from right. it. But, and that's, that's, that's funny. You bring that up so quick. It's something that comes up with everybody I talk to about the whole failure thing. And I think it's worth, uh, it's worth beating up a little bit and talking about because a lot of people that are successful entrepreneurs or business owners have learned that you can learn from failure and it doesn't have to be your demise. You know, it's not the yep. end of you. Yep. It, almost to the point where if you, went to college or business school or listened to Ted talks. It's always like failure is great. You know, you have to learn to fail, yeah. but it's not really part of the culture. And, and most people failure is a, a, a thing that you have to be embarrassed about. You do everything you can to not look wrong ever to, to not fail. And I think it's a, I think as silly as it sounds, it's an important thing for, for people that are interested in having a business to just accept that you're going to screw up and you're going to have to just face totally. it and fix it. Right. 
I mean, you know, you're going to have failures, you know, but the problem is, you know, fear holds people back. Big time. And fear will always hold people back and they stay in their own little world and their own little bubble where they're comfortable. Um, I've never been like that. You know, I went to college for five years. I was first in nursing school and then I have a degree in elementary ed. Um, you know, and, and what prompted this was I was working at my juice bar. I didn't own it at the time. I was just an employee, just mm-hmm. trying to pay my way through college. And, you know, the guy that was, that owned it, he said, you know what, Andrew, he's like, you're great at this. Would you ever want to buy it? And I'm like, I've never owned a business. Like, what the hell am I thinking? And I'm like, yeah, why not? You sure. know, I had 10,000 bucks saved. Um, you know, I drained my, my bank account. I was 20 years old, had no clue how to run a business and just figured it out. Mm-hmm. But you got to take chances. And people are scared to take chances. Yeah. Take chances and, and kind of go into something knowing you don't know it all. I think that's important because like totally. you went in, like the juice bar example, you went in knowing how to work there, knowing how to do what the business did, but not knowing how yeah. to run it, but figuring you could figure it out and you could go as you go. And I, I'm not saying that you have to just go into everything blind, but there's always going to be a certain element where you don't know. Like I, I've been, my, my business is 19 years old this year. And it's not the same business that it was the first year or the second year or the third year or the fourth year. You know, it's different all the time and it's, it's got to change. And I I think you just, a lot of people get locked down by the business plan and, you know, rigidity and here's what my plan is. Here's what I'm going to do. And that plan's out the window, like two months in, you know, I gotta tell you, to be honest. So I've owned probably four or five businesses. I've never had a business plan. Yeah. I'm the same way. That's the way to go. (laughs) I know I'm the same Um, way though. You know, but I mean, it's just, you just kind of figure it out as you go. You try things, you know, I tell people, you know, I try to mentor people that want to open their own brokerage and own their own business. And, you know, you have to just take chances and try things that might work and might not work. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Like, you know, people are so worried. Sorry about having my dog on my That's lap. That's all right. Um, you know, this is what happens when you work from home too. You know, yeah. it's either kids or dogs or whatever. Um, you know, but again, I've never done a business plan, but I'm always like listening and reading mm-hmm. and trying to learn from my veterans and people above me. And, you know, you're going to make mistakes and, you know, but I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, it, it, my businesses have never been, you know, so involved that I can't just figure it out as we go. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a brain surgeon here. Um, you know, but if you get it and you have that personality that you can work with people and, and, you know, get outside of your comfort zone, you know, you can be very successful. It seems like all your businesses are service businesses too, where you're, you're dealing with people, helping make people happier or do whatever they need done. And it's always been about taking care of them and putting yourself aside, making sure that's right. And if that's right, then you get taken care of too, you know, as the business owner, it's, it's and that's the thing, you know, you have to give to get, Yeah. you know, I mean, if you just expect people to, you know, respect you and trust you and give you things and, and, and support you, you know, you have to give back to them. Um, that's in my nature anyways. That's why I, you know, started my nonprofit, you know, it just, it gives me more meaning as well. Mm-hmm. The nonprofit's tied to the business too, right? In that like part of your mission with the CRG is to give back with every sale. How, how does that work? How yeah. does that come to be? Yeah. So, you know, I always say, you know, there's a million realtors out there. So how am I going to be different? You know, granted, I'm, I'm lucky to have a great network of people that support me, but you know, how is my whole office going to be different in this whole, you know, real estate game? This, you know, like, three, four, five real estate brokerages, you know, on my street alone. Yeah. Why are they going to pick me versus the other four? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I decided to incorporate the kindness coalition in with CRG. And, you know, we do all my events, you know, everything's like the command center at my office, but you know, our tagline is giving back one sale at a time. Mm-hmm. So after every sale, we donate to a local charity in our client's name. So basically if I sold a house for you or sold your house, um, you know, I say, Hey, what's your favorite local charity? You say X, Y, Z, we donate in your name to that. And, you know, it's a win-win. That's great. Do you, do, have you found people starting to pick the Kindness Coalition as their favorite charity yet? You know, a lot of people have, which is awesome. That is awesome. Events. Yeah, when I have events coming up and, um, you know, I sold four houses in the last couple of weeks and, you know, they all wanted to donate back to our mission of the medical supplies right now. So that's uh, that's yeah, really great. Just love it. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. What is it like selling houses right now? So it's, it's different to say the least. Yeah, it's so, gotta be. Yeah. So thank God the year started out really strong for me. So, you know, I have like six houses that are selling, which is good for, you know, this crazy time of year. Um, you know, everything just more virtual at the, at the present time. Um, I am noticing now that the madness, you know, the initial madness has slowed down a little, mm-hmm. um, you know, people want to kind of get out and start looking more, but you know, we're being socially responsible and we're just kind of saying, listen, let's lay low, let's look virtually, let's do virtual tours and all that stuff. Um, you know, but 
I don't want to be out running around with clients yet. It's right. like, you don't need to be there yet. No, and it'd be irresponsible. It's not, it's not the right thing to do. Oh, but so that's what I was wondering. Are you figuring out, um, you know, new ways to do it? Like, do you walk people through a house with your phone doing a, like a FaceTime chat so they can get a virtual exactly. tour? Yes. Yep. So we do a lot of video. Um, we do a lot of FaceTime. Um, you know, if it is vacant, we will basically allow them to go into the property. Um, but you know, we have to be very prepared, you know, have mask, gloves, hand sanitizer. I mean, you name it, but you know, for now I'm not really leaving the house to be honest. So I only leave just to go to my office here and there. Yeah. I'm not um, leaving except to go outside and run or go for a hike with the kids. Or yeah. Something. There's honestly, there's no need. Someone's like, you know, another realtor said, I need to make money. I said, yeah, but if you're dead, right. What good's the money when you're dead? You know? right. right. Or, or when you kill so, your family members or, you know, it's, it's, totally. it's, it's too much. And it's, you, you got to hold responsibility for yourself. Just stop for a minute. hundred percent. And you know, when you own your own business, as you know, it's a roller coaster. Oh, hell and yeah. I, reiterating, you know, some months you make a ton of money, some months you don't. That's right. Um, just consider this a slow month and, you know, set yourself up, you know, work hard during this downtime and prepare yourself for when we get back into it. Yeah. Work on some of the shortcomings, work on some of the stuff you don't get to when you are too busy right. and, you, and you know, you need to work on some of those cause you can, right. I mean, yeah. and, and, None of us know how this is going to affect us. Some of us have been more affected than others, some less. Like we're, we're lucky in that we have some clients that deal with this type of stuff directly. They sell equipment to FEMA and, to, you know, they sell like yep. COVID related or, or viral related equipment. So they're busy and that's good for us. But on the flip, we've also lost clients that are places that are forced to shut down or things that are just right. simply not in business. So obviously they're not going to hire a firm like mine, which is marketing if they're closed. Right. Right. So, yeah. So I, I'm, you know, I've, I have good on one side, bad on the other. And I'm hoping that middle line is just the one I'm going to tow until this is all over right. and just keep doing the best that we can. But yeah, it's yeah, a freaky, it's a ways. freaky time, but yeah. I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. I had, um, thankfully it came together virtually anyway, but I had this new client we were trying to bring in, uh, like high profile. I really wanted this, this business as a, as a client of ours. And they're from yep. somewhere else in the middle of the country. And we were okay. going to, we were going to have an in-person meeting. Cause it's really important to them to like shake hands and know people and yeah. all this. And this was like three weeks ago, dude was flying into Logan and oh, like, God. like Friday, he was reaching out to me, not saying he was going to cancel, but kind of like putting his feelers out. Like, what's it like out there in Boston? And I was like, don't come here. Don't, don't be here. Yeah. Like we, let's, we'll right. meet another time. Let's just continue to That's talk. Right. Let's do the best we can. Just don't come here. I, I this is before everyone locked down, but I already kind of took the family home and we were already kind of laying low, you know, like, yeah. like three, four weeks ago. And so it worked out anyway. And now eventually, you know, now they're a client and we're, we're working awesome. on this stuff. Yeah, it's great. And they're, they're super nice people and I'm excited, but I, I just, uh, that whole in-person thing, it wasn't worth it. No matter how bad I wanted it and how much I knew we could do the right job. Let's, let's just, be responsible. Let's, let's set back, go to. home. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a weird time. And it, it's, I don't know. I'm one of those freaks where like I go out and run still, but I do it in a mask. Like I, you know, I, I actually cover cause then, and people think, Oh, that's crazy. You're being foolish. But then I'm running down the road and a bicycle, bicyclist rides right by me breathing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I have the mask on. You can't control everything out there. <laughs> Listen, I never realized I was such a germaphobe, but everyone's like, why aren't you leaving? I'm like, I, I, for some reason, I'm like petrified of this, but I think the biggest reason is, you know, in, in getting all these medical supplies out, I talk to nurses all day, every day. Yeah. And I hear the crap that they face and it's really, and they're, to hear them scared, you know, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. if a nurse is scared, a doctor's scared, the average person should be scared. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of those, you know, read everything on the internet and say, oh my God, I'm never going to leave my house again. But I'm going to be smart. Like today is really the first day I left to go to like do two errands. Um, but I had a mask, I had gloves and it was weird. You know, it is, it is. a weird way of life out there. Yeah. Seeing everyone with masks on, you know, there are only two people in the store, but it's just a, it's an odd way of life. Like yeah. to stay, you know, six feet apart from people and you know, I'm Italian. We want to hug everybody. We want to be like face to face. And it's, it's, it's going to be a, a long time until people learn to adjust to this. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I don't know how it's all going to shake out, but I think there's going to be some, maybe not permanent, but change that was, that's going to last mm -hmm. for a while, you know, and, yep. and everyone's going to have to, I hope, start thinking for themselves and making decisions mm -hmm. wherein like, 
if they decide we need to reopen, everyone go out. Well, you know, uh, probably not going to do that for a while. Right. <laughs> I'm right. probably going to sit tight. I already of told my course. wife, like the kids aren't going back to school this year. They, they might think no. they're going back to school May 4th, but guess what? Not, no. They're not. Not worth it. No, no, I not mean, worth it. I think of how that stuff travels. Think of like Red Sox games or Celtics games or any of that. Like the thought of being with thousands of people, you know, even when we get the green light, right. like, you know, I'm all for stimulating the economy and getting back to, you know, quote unquote normal, but I wouldn't put myself in harm's way like that. No, I, I Bill Gates was giving a talk about it and talking about the stuff his foundation's doing and all of the uh, work they're doing on um, multiple things related to this. But he said, look, the, the economy is something we know how to rebuild, but we can't bring yeah. people back that have died. So, totally. you know, seriously, it's, it's a, this is a big thing and just take it seriously yeah. and stay home. Yeah, that, that hit me hard. That was that was a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're in our forties. We've never experienced anything like this. I mean, and we probably never will. But this will be in history books for you know your grandchildren to read about. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, like, I don't think people really, you know, in the beginning, everyone's like, "Oh, it's a hoax. It's the flu. It's this. It's that." I'm like, "Really? Where are you now?" Yeah, I'm hoping people are waking up to to the media, you know, and and politics and I'm, I'm by no means a conspiracy theorist or any I don't I don't have a side I'm not on either side of the fence I don't yeah. have a dog in the fight what I do know is most of it's bullshit just most of it's crap and we yeah. we don't have a filter because what we've had is an easy life in general as Americans right. you know we have we have an easy life and we have the yep. luxury of finding the media that stimulates us the most and just going nuts with it as opposed to seeing what's true and trying to figure out what's an actual fact and yeah I'm hoping that people start to think about it and um, maybe start to turn off some of the stuff that's clearly just trying to, you know, raise emotions. Right. It is amazing. And, you know, you know, social media, I love social media, you know, I'm on it all the time, but it's amazing. Some of the stuff that you read yeah. day in and day out. And, you know, sometimes you just got to learn to scroll by. It's like, you know, what are these people talking about? Yeah. And that's oh. the thing. I think some people can't learn to scroll by. Some people shouldn't be at on all. social media at all. Right, they should just right. go home because <laughs> so, some people can totally do it and they can enjoy it. And it social media does a lot of great. It does. It spreads that totally. spreads news very quickly. It connects people. I have friends yeah. that I have become uh, friends again, like like mm -hmm. actually drink beer and go out and like become awesome. friends again that I hadn't seen in like 20 years or 10 years, you know, because of Facebook and because so yep. it's had a lot of positive things in life. But if you're one of those people that gets into the comments, then gets into the argument, then oh. you're all in the argument, you're fighting right. it. And you, it, it, I, <laughs> you'll never it. see me in there. Cause I'm, I'm just no way. This, I don't have the time for that kind of energy. Because the energy for that. I'm like, I got bigger fish to fry at this point. Like right. that's your theory. You know, you're not going to change people's minds by posting 800 links. No, just, Roll the hell by and focus on something positive. Yeah, and it's not even links. It's links. It's sound bites. It's not almost never original thought. What right. it is is regurgitating <laughs> stuff right. that someone else told them, or a sound bite from their favorite news channel, or whatever it might be. It's right. ne it never, it never has post. any substance. So uh, right. that's what I do. If if I ever get into those types of arguments, I'm just like, all right, well, let's sit down and just discuss this. And just right. pick apart the issue, and it ne never happens, yep. never works. That no, nobody wants nobody wants to dig into it and actually have to think about it, and that's when they, right. they run away. I get other things to focus on. Right. So uh, back uh, back to CRG, I guess. What? Yeah. Um, how many people are working for you now? What kind of? Um, you said you have a nice flexible day throughout the day. How does it typically work in your life? Yeah. So you know, I mean, every day is different with real estate. Like I could get a call tomorrow and say, "Hey, you know, I want to sell my house." Um, you know, I got a, an email yesterday. Hey, I'm looking at this house, you know, in Millbury. Can you take me through? So one of my girls brought her through. She put an offer in. It's accepted. They're moving forward. Um, you know, we wish they were all that easy. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, you're keeping in touch with clients every day. Like I said, you know, some mornings I start at nine. Some days I don't start till noon. Some days if I don't want to work, I don't work. Um, but the majority of the time, you know, you have to be readily available in this business. Yeah, it's a high touch so, business. A hundred percent. And if you're not there and on top of things, you know, they're going to go to someone else that is there and, you know, is waiting obviously for, you know, that type of one-on-one -on -one attention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm lucky that, you know, it's just me and the dogs and, you know, I have plenty of time that I can devote to clients. And in this type of business, you have to, it's hard to, you know, I have people that have full-time jobs and they want to do this on the side. I'm like, be prepared. You know, you got kids, a full-time job, a dog, you know, a husband, all this stuff like that's a lot of juggling. Yeah. And yeah. then people, yeah. people are notoriously needy when it comes to a realtor.
because from that side of the fence, it's a big deal buying a home. You know, it's, it's not a small thing. It's huge. And you're helping people find a place. They're hopefully going to hang their hat for a while or, or yeah. raise some kids or, or whatever it might be. You know, it's a big deal. Yeah. I always say as a realtor, you know, I don't care how smart you are. You better be prepared to be a therapist. Yeah. When people are buying or selling, they're either pregnant or getting divorced or getting married, downsizing. You know, there's a million reasons mm-hmm. and you need to be there. You need to be able to, you know, to conform to all these different personalities. And, you know, buying a house is, is probably one of the biggest purchases someone's ever going to make in their entire life. Yeah. So it's not like buying a pack of gum. So, no, you know, you no. be knowledgeable and, you know, walk them through that process, hold their hand. Um, you know, I always hear, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, that's my job. It's not bother. Ask me, don't try to Google, you know, cause that's the best one. Like, Oh, I saw her on Google. I'm like, yeah, don't believe any of that. Yeah. Ask me. I bet you can't really like touch your toes in either. Right. Because to actually be good at it and make sales, you really need to know, not just know the market you're in, but you probably need to know what's available. You need to know the inventory so that when someone comes yeah. and they're, uh, recently divorced, just moved, had a downsize of their job, whatever, whatever the, the mix is you were talking about, they have to understand. Then you have to understand what might be right for them, actually right for them, right? You can't just, you can't just bring up the first five houses and show them to them. Of course, you know, you need to have a pulse on the market. Um, you know, what helps with us is, you know, I have 12 people that work with me and, you know, we do a lot of off market deals. So someone says, Hey, Andrea, I have a house I want to sell. I'm like, great. You know, we have our database of buyers. So we throw it out to them and say, Hey, this house is coming to the market, you know, whatever date you want to look at it. And you know, then they run with it. So, you know, it's, you need someone that's like really involved and, and, you know, this is their full-time thing so they can devote, you know, a hundred percent to you. Yeah. It's cool that it allows you the flexibility. That's always been something super important to me too, where, and it's not to everybody. Some people like the workaholic. Some people like a rigid, rigid nine to five. Everyone's different. But for me, I've always liked uh, flexibility where like you, I'll, I'll do the 80 hours, but I'm probably going to do 60, 50% of them after the kids are asleep. You know, I'll do, I can do different times and I have that flexibility because I like to do a lot of different things and I have hobbies that I never had before because I've, I've opened up to live different than I used to be the workaholic one and oh, yeah. you know, always grind, grind, grind. And uh, I didn't get more done then than I do now. I just did it right. differently. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Some people, you know, are creatures of habit. They like to know every Friday they're going to get paid X amount, their 401k, their health insurance, their blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I've never been in that. So for me, it, this is nothing, Yeah, you know, but I have people that come from the corporate world and they're like, holy shit, this is a different world. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I'm not getting paid this month. I'm like, well, that's life. Right. You know, yeah. I, yeah. You didn't make any money, so you're not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to be yeah. harsh. That's the way it works. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm very honest too. You know, as an owner, people come in, if they're a stay at home mom that has no network, I say, listen, you have a newborn baby. You're trying to get into this. You need some help. It's going to be hard. Like I'm very honest. It's not an easy job. Yeah. You got to be consistent. You got to be on top of your game. And you know, I just think what sets us apart is the fact that we just have our little niche, and that really helps. You what, know, when we and, do charity events. Yeah. What? Tell me more about the niche and what does set you apart. Like, what's different about your shop and like you know, say one of the big chains. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so we're very community driven. So you know. We host a lot of events. Um, you know, my nonprofit has these, they're called backpack drives. I know. So twice a year, we, yeah, twice a year, we do one for the homeless and one for DCF. And basically we stuff a thousand plus backpacks for both parties. Um, but we bring the community together. So we usually have, you know, between four and 600 people that come, um, you know, and they get to fill the backpacks themselves. But you know, I really like to try to bring the community together as much as possible. So, you know, you have all these people that you've never met before and, you know, it's just a fun day and kids are involved and, you know, it's just, we're just a little bit different, you know, as far as the charity aspect goes. How did that, um, how did the charity come to be? That was before CRG? No. So, <laughs> you know, I took it all on at once, but I've always done charity work, like, you know, random events and random, you know, business expos and stuff like that. Um, but I was never a nonprofit. And then I had done um, one other large, like online fundraiser, and I raised a lot of money. And someone had reached out and said, "Listen, I love what you do. You really need to become a nonprofit, you know, just legality wise, and yeah. you know, all this stuff." I said, "Oh, great idea!" But I never really thought about it because I just did it, you know, collected money and got rid of it and bought stuff for them. Um, so she helped me set up my nonprofit. And the same time I opened CRG, I opened um, Kindness Coalition. We call it KC. 
And then we just combined them and, you know, it, it, it ended up working out pretty amazing. It is amazing. It's, it's really cool just to even see it from the outside, like, you know, just on Facebook and being friends yeah. with you. It, it's, it blows my mind how it, it, I feel like I watched it come together where you started to try to help some stuff and yeah. over trying to help a few things, it built itself into an actual organization that now has some structure and a, you know, a way to, yeah. to clearly to donate cleanly donate, I should say, where you like now it's a, a proper organization, you know, everything's going. Yeah. But I've been really, really just blown away by your charity versus others in how fast and local the response is where like, like what you're doing right now with the masks where, you know, yeah, everyone else yeah. is wondering what to do and where to get a mask, uh, one mask for themselves. You've got thousands of masks going out to nurses and first responders and stuff. Yeah. How, tell me about that and how it materializes where it seems to move a million miles an hour, which means you have to too, right? There's gotta be <laughs> phone calls coming in, phone calls going out. You know, you didn't come from the medical supplies background. How do you yeah, find yeah. the masks Do people, do people jump in and start helping you? How does it work? Okay. So this is literally an endeavor that I've like, like no other that I've ever taken over. So the last three weeks has been when I say insanity, like it's an understatement. And for me to be overwhelmed, um, you know, that says a lot. So when this whole thing started, I started this, I said, listen, I'm going to start a little Facebook group for the elderly that might need help food shopping. Um, and for families that, you know, have kids that get, you know, school lunch mm -hmm. or breakfast or, you know, that don't have the money at home to be able to put three meals on a day. So it went from a little group that the next day I had 200 people in it. The next day I had 400 people in it. Then I had a nurse reach out and she said, Andrea, I know you have a big network. Can you find me some N95 masks? I'm like, what the hell is that? Literally, I'm like, I'm a realtor. What's, you know, what's an N95 mask? So she explained it. So I put it out there on Facebook. Like I use, you know, social media for everything. Mm -hmm. I said, any of my friends have N95s? And then, you know, a construction guy said, oh, I have 10 for you. My auto body friend, hey, I got 20 for you. I'm like, oh, all right. So then I started reaching out to everyone I knew. Um, and a dentist friend of mine, um, she's actually my dentist. She reached out and she said, Hey, call this distributor. You know, he sells this stuff as well. Uh, so I called him. He said, Oh, I have 2000 stock. I go, I'll take them. But you know, so then I didn't realize that this stuff's expensive too. Especially now. So now yeah. So now my Facebook group is growing. You know, we have over 1500 people in it in the last three weeks. I said, all right, I'm using my own money to start. Mm -hmm. And um, I spent $12,000 in like four days. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Like we got to do something here. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I rally the troops and the group all came together. What can we do? What can we do? And this is like an amazing group of people. Mm -hmm. And so many that I, that are not in my typical nonprofit group, it's completely separate. So I said, all right guys, let's do a GoFundMe. I never really do GoFundMe's, but I'm like, let's try it. So in three weeks, we raised um, over $55,000. Awesome. We have been able to give um, over 7,000 masks with 3,000 more on the way. We've given thousands upon thousands of supplies to hospitals, nursing homes, the jail, um, the National Guard. We have, you know, probably 60 women that are sewing thousands of handmade masks. Yeah. Um, we started an Amazon wish list so we can get snacks, you know, delivered to my office that we can give out to the hospitals. Thousands of them already. And then we also give um, meals to the hospitals. So, you know, we send dinners and lunches and stuff for the overnights, um, you know, probably three, four, five days a week. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, I keep this group positive. I try to keep them motivated. I try to keep people's, people's minds off the negative. And, you know, when they come into that group, they just see how like, you know, I say, hey, can someone do X, Y, Z? And I have like 80 people. I'm ready. What can I do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing. It's downright amazing. It's, it's, a, it's great to watch. But uh, so- when thousands of supplies start coming in and how do you decide who's going to get the help, where it's going to go? How do you, how do you figure out the, uh, the, the operations, need. the delivery, yeah, the need, and then yeah. how you actually get it to them and how does it all, it's gotta yeah. be a lot of, a lot of challenge. Oh yeah. So put it this way from 6am till about 10 at night, I literally cannot put my phone down for more than 10 minutes. Like when I say I can't do it, it's, you just can't. Um, you know, I get hundreds upon hundreds of messages, you know, every week for people begging for a mask. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my motivation. Like, all right, I got to keep bringing these things in because if the state hasn't done it yet, and at that time they hadn't, you know, for some reason we became the go-to. And yeah. I mean, I got messages all over the state. We've gone from Boston to central mass, Metro West, you name it. We've 
we've helped them. That's what I mean. So it has to be yeah. more than you can possibly help too. So how do you oh, figure it out? Yeah, it's actually awful because I can't say no to people, especially when they're begging saying, Hey, you know, I don't want to bring this home to my family. You know, I just need one N95, you know, and I don't say no, I just figure out how to get more and call everyone I can. Um, so basically we just have a list, you know, a, a spreadsheet of all the major hospitals and nursing homes and anyone that reaches out, we put them on a list mm -hmm. and then we try to figure out, you know, their need and how many patients they're seeing. So obviously UMass and St. V's, um, Boston medical center, Milford hospital, you know, those are a lot of the major hospitals that need help. Mm -hmm. And at that time, no one had any supplies coming in. No. So basically we would just ration them as much as we could. Um, we're lucky. We got a lot of donations in the start, you know, from the start. Yeah. It seemed to so, come together really fast. Crazy. I mean, I have a Dropbox out in front of my office. It's like a 90 gallon thing. It's filled every day. Nice. You know, and I, and I let people see our progress too. You know, like if you write me a check, you're going to see where your money is going. Mm -hmm. You know, so people might get annoyed. Oh, another post. Like, you know, I don't really care. I want you to see that that hundred bucks you just sent me went to send you know, you mass dinner for 70 people. Mm -hmm. uh, or I just bought, you know, 300 more masks with that, you know, 5,000 bucks. You know, it's important and people like to see it and they like to see people getting involved and then they want to get involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's infectious. I'm a bad word for yeah. this time, but yeah, people, people, <laughs> people that's see, it, yeah. not that no, not, that's not any better. People see <laughs> the, they see the positive change and they want to help. It's inspiring. I think it's amazing. It's got to feel good, but it also, it's got to, that's some pressure on you too. I mean, that, that's oh, deciding sure. where the stuff's going to go. I mean, it's not, it's not easy. I think that's, that's a thing that people misunderstand. It's not easy because it's a charity. It's, it's, it's a lot hard. of work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, honestly, I've cried more in the past like three weeks because a, you're exhausted B, you know, you read these stories and it's so sad. Mm -hmm. Like I tear up thinking about it. It's awful. You know, these nurses that are like, I'm petrified to go to work. You know, I don't know what to do. I just need one to keep me safe. I'm like, oh my God, of course. Like, you know, and I cry with them. I yeah. mean, it is like nothing I've ever experienced. And, um, you know, these men and women are truly, and we call them our health heroes, like, you know, to hear what they face and, and how ill equipped they are. I just decided, screw it. I'm going to make it my mission and I'm not going to stop mm -hmm. um, because they still need our help. It's the, it's the right use of the term hero too. They actually are. Totally. They put their totally. lives on the line to do something uh, for others, for people they don't even know to just to, yeah. be, to serve the community. It's, it's actually what a hero is. And it's, 100%. it's, it's someone I think called it's me when I said, first of all, I am not a freaking hero. I just have a big mouth and a good network and I'm going to work that as much as I can. Um, and you know, if that's what you should do, you know, like we should help our fellow man and woman. And you know, if we're, if we're able to do it, then just do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm ready for this to be over. And, and yeah, I bet, I bet <laughs> we all want it to be over. But at least there's people like you that are making it better for some. You know, making yeah. it as, as good as it can, making an impact, which I just I find so inspiring. That, so you started out um, before this happened, helping homeless and helping children in need and that sort of thing. Yep. Did did that help you sort of have the framework for this? What's happening now? Did it help you to like understand how to? ignite that community or how to make, put totally. some things into action. So it's kind of good that you had some experience, you know, already doing good uh, and delivering. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm good at, you know, trying to just rally the troops and, you know, I'm good at the big stuff. And then it's great to be able to delegate to some people that want to take over like their different departments, we call it, yeah. you know, my friend, one of my friends is in charge of the sewing. One is in charge of the meals, you know, and you have to do that because honestly with a project this big, you just, you can't do it on your own. No, um, no. I have trouble wrapping my head around it. Just watching from the outside, the, the, yeah. the, it's, I mean, there's so much management that has to go into getting the money, sourcing the supplies, yeah. getting the supplies, then divvying the supplies up and getting them out to the people that need them. Never mind bringing into it the meals and everything else you're talking about. Yeah. It's, you know, when you think about it, you know, and then I also have to weed through the scammers and the price gougers and all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it makes you so angry that, you know, I had one guy reach out, Oh, I can get an N N95 mask for seven fifty. How many do you want? I'm like, he's like, you know, we really care. We don't want people dying. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. You know, and then it makes you angry. Like if you really gave a shit about people, you know, facing this head on, you're going to charge me seven fifty a mask. Right. It's a hundred percent markup so over an already marked up mask. Exactly. You know, so you just, you find the distributors that you can work with and you just, you know, hustle and keep raising money and thank people personally and, you know, post on social media, thanking all the businesses that are stepping up. You know, we have so many restaurants that are local that 
are, their businesses are down, you know, 50, 75%. Yeah. Yet they want to donate all this food and I don't allow them to donate. You know, I make sure they take some money, you know, I mean, they get to survive too. Yeah, no, that's smart because that keeps the network going. You know, they donate yes. and this goes on for three months. They're not there to donate anymore, but if yeah. you, if you can at least pay them for supplies, maybe some of their time and then, totally. then, they're, then they're still there to keep helping and be there for the rest of us when we can go eat dinner again, you know, at a exactly. restaurant. And we'll remember them. Oh, for so sure. That's important. For sure. How does, how does the meal thing work where obviously you're trying to minimize contact with you and anyone else and them and where the food's going? How do you, how do you put together feeding different, you know, staff at UMass or, or whatever, yeah. different so, nursing homes? You know, a lot of people reach out direct and say, Hey, Andrea, what about this overnight shift? And, you know, cause there's so many units and departments and, and locations, you know, it is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. um, so we again, we keep our little database and we say, okay, we've donated to the ICU today. We're going to do, you know, this ER, we're going to do this nursing home. Um, but it's really just a matter of people reaching out. I have some good contacts in the hospitals and they say, how about this department? How about the ambulance people, the facilities, you know, the maintenance workers, yeah. who are, you know, heroes as well, trying yep. to deal with all this stuff. Um, so we have a GoFundMe and basically we just collect money there and we try to, you know, reach out to every business owner we know. And I always make it clear I'm not reaching out because I don't want anything for free. However, do you want to feed this? We'll blast you on social media. We'll give you X amount, you know, charge whatever. One lady just has my credit card. I said, just charge it. And, you know, she sent me to one of her friends and another friend. And, you know, that's how it works. And people don't forget when you step up in a time of need. Yeah. So then how do they get the food from the restaurant to the hospital and get that delivered? Yeah, usually. And what's cool is a lot of these people have, love to deliver themselves. So, you know, they have mask gloves, all that stuff. Um, if not, I put it in my group, say, hey, you know, who can pick up from this place and deliver here? And again, you know, these people jump right up like I'm ready. That's so cool. So it's, it's more just the community helping. Oh, it's incredible. You know, yeah, I had a girl, my friend Liz, you know, a Facebook friend. I said, hey, you know, who wants to go to this diner? She's like, I'll do it. So she went to the diner. She went to the ER, took pictures. You know, it's it's really, truly something special. And, you know, in a time that's so crappy right now, like you go in that group and some days I just scroll through the posts and I see how supportive people are. And I try to put up like motivational stuff each day. And, you know, just so people know that, you know, there's better stuff coming. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're all in this together. So let's try to stay as positive as we can. Yeah. That's what's really just watching blown my mind is how fast everything has come together. And I've seen it come together fast for you in the past, um, which was just impressive, but not as mind blowing because of what the, because of the pressure under these circumstances here where yeah. like the backpacks, you know, it feels like you went from smaller numbers to stuffing thousands of backpacks and helping a yeah. lot of people. Right. And that, that has to have ballooned because you need the supplies to fill a thousand backpacks. You need a thousand right. backpacks alone. That's, you know, there there's, it's a, it's a big undertaking, but it, it probably doesn't even feel big to you anymore. Important, but not big compared to what you're doing with this. Yeah. You know, I look back to the first backpack drive and I had put it out on social media. Hey, who wants to help me fill 50 backpacks? Mm. You know, I thought 50, am I out of my mind? I'm never going to fill 50. We threw this together like two and a half weeks. We filled almost 300. Yeah. So I was like, oh, all right, we're onto something here, you know, and then that's when it skyrocketed to now we're at, you know, a thousand plus. But honestly, Adam, like this is truly like nothing I've ever experienced. And, you know, I think the urgency is because lives are depending on it. Yeah. And I've never had someone's life depend on me, you know, not just me per se, but they need this PPE, mm -hmm. you know, a backpack, people aren't going to die over it. Um, but for this, I mean, it is, if I, if you could read some of these emails, literally just begging, like, you know, and I've gone out at 10 o'clock at night to, you know, go pick up, you know, a thousand masks from a distributor just to get them here quicker. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, people come to my house all hours of the day just to pick up, you know, and they, and it's, it, it's amazing. It's special. It's, it, it is amazing. It is, it is amazing. Yeah. We're all lucky that there's people like you out there making it happen. Cause for, I think there's a lot of people out there, me included that look around and think how amazing it is. And, and like, there's a number of causes I've donated to great. It helps, yep. but it's not a big, th it's not, I'd love to be more impactful. And there's most of us just don't know how. And I don't think that you had a magic answer. You just did it. You picked up something, started running with it and you made it, you're making an impact. And I, I just, I find it inspiring. I think it's awesome. And I think there should be more of us doing it and just, 
I don't know, maybe that's another business for you down the road is teaching people how to do it. Teaching people how to get involved and, and start to get their community taken. Yeah, action. people ask me that all the time. And honestly, there's a million ways to get involved and it just doesn't have to be financial. So you're making a big difference by even having me on this because when you share this, people are going to see, all right, that's pretty cool. You know, and, and, you know, we don't like to use the word contagious, but we always say kindness is contagious. Mm-hmm. And if people see, you know, some random realtor can do this in Shrewsbury, well, why can't I do it, you know, on the North shore or the South shore or wherever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just getting involved, getting in our group, sharing a post. I say it all the time. You have no idea the impact that it can make just by sharing a post. Simple. It's free. It takes 30 seconds tops. And, you know, now it's getting out to your network. Yeah. Yeah. And every time it gets put out, it's a multiple, which is nice. Totally. It's, just, it's I, I like the, the speed because like I, I have a, a charity that I'm working on that we can talk about another time. I'd love your advice, but it's, um, you know, I'm trying to, trying to build it and figure out how to do it. And it's taking all this time and yours, I'm sure takes all that time too, but it seems like it happened like with a cluster bomb where it was just, (laughs) and and probably like you originally said with the juice bar, you know, it's, it started by you basically throwing something out there and then it picked up momentum. And that's, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to take away from it myself, you know, is just to try to get the momentum, try to get something rolling. I'm not an overthinker. So basically I just get an idea in my head and I'm like, let's do it. So like that morning when I started that Facebook group, it was 6am. I woke up, I said, what can I do? I started this group and just ran with it. Yeah. Some people, you know, and this is not how my brain works, have everything lined up and Mm -hmm. every detail and every, that's not me. I just say yes. And I do whatever it takes to make it happen. You know, and that's just, that's my brain. So it's hard to teach that because some people are more cautious and, you know, want to have it all outlined and follow X, Y, Z. And that's just not how I work. Yeah. I say yes and I just do. And there's a place for that too. It really depends on what it is yeah. that you're, that you're getting done. Um, totally. I, I have another question going back to the balancing the realty group with this. Obviously there's probably not a lot of balance right now. This is probably getting the more focus than the realty yeah. group, but in general, talking about the the lifestyle that's enabled where you have more time, was it was it almost more time intensive when you were a realtor and that's how you made your money versus owning a, a realty company with a bunch of other brokers doing it where you're more managing that team as opposed to the one selling each house and being on the phone with each client and yeah. So my personal business has not changed. It's only gotten like bigger. Cause I like to lead by example. So I say, listen, you know, I'm always going to work my ass off. You know, that's how I make my money as well. You know, my goal as an owner is not just to make money off my agents. So I try to do all the training and be there for them one-on-one and, you know, have weekly meetings and do all this stuff. Um, but I also have to sell and I like to sell, mm-hmm. but I'll never be that owner that sits behind the desk and, you know, shouts out all these orders and does this stuff and doesn't sell anything. Like mm-hmm. I like to be out there. I like to list homes, do open houses, do all that stuff. Um, so that's probably never going to change. Um, you know, as I get older, I'll probably get more tired, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny how that know. happens, isn't it? Right. But for now, I, you know, I still have some energy, so I'm good, but you know, I like working with my agents one-on-one. I love being in my office. Um, you know, that's one thing I miss, you know, I love seeing people in and out and, you know, they just come in, sit down. It's a very relaxed office. They can bring their dogs and kids and you know, whatever. Yeah. I bet Uh, that's nice. The, the, the different people all the time and just being able to interact and have a human conversation around what is it you're looking for? What do you, what do you want? Yep, exactly. So we have clients in and out. We have, you know, people bring their kids and, you know, I'm like the aunt to everybody, you know, my dogs are there and, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a really cool that's kind of why I opened my place. I just wanted to be like a, a true family. You know, mm-hmm. I want to keep it small and, you know, let these agents know that I consider them family if they're going to work with me yeah. and they don't for me, they work with me. Mm-hmm. And going back again to how you got into uh, selling houses from tanning salons. How, well, let's talk about the other business. You said 10 years, right? And then you sold it off. You sold it off as a little franchise. Yeah. So basically right in call from 20 to about 30, I was in the fitness business. Mm -hmm. So I owned the juice bars. I personal trained, taught aerobics and managed the gyms. Mm -hmm. After that, I actually owned a hot dog card. I don't know if you know Oh, I do remember that. Yes, I do remember that. I forgot that one. Yeah. So I owned a hot dog card at Home Depot in Worcester when they first opened. Um, I owned that for probably five years. Hilarious Mm -hmm. business. Uh, food's a pain in the ass, but you know, it was a great business. I met a ton of people. You guys, I was going to say, you've got to meet just the most interesting, uh, cast of characters going in there totally. from, the, from the pros to the home improvers, just the, Hilarious. it's, it's yeah. everybody. 
and we were right at the exit sign. So people had to walk by us and you know, my personality, I talked to everybody, you know, it was a great business, you know, while it lasted. And then in the interim, I also owned my tanning salon. Um, and then we started to grow that. So we kind of did like a little, like I call it the unfranchise, you know, we just opened a bunch of salons and, you know, different owners and a lot of them, were my friends, Mm -hmm. and that was 10 years. And then once, you know, I, again, I was turning 40, almost 40. I'm like, all right, well, like, what am I going to do now? Um, you know, I don't want to sit behind a desk at a tanning salon for the rest of my life. It was, I was over it, you know, it was a great while it lasted, but I was over it. So then, you know, you start to think like, now what? You know, like, what am I going to do? 40 years old, you know, my degree is in education. I'm never going into teaching. No offense to teachers. God bless them. Yeah. Too hard. Um, I could never do it. No. So, you know, five years down the drain of of college, but you know, I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, And then again, I forget who it was. I just threw it out there. I said, Hey, you know, real estate would be a great job for you. I forget who it was. And I wish I could remember and say, thank you because you're right. Um, you know, and I wish I just did this 20 years ago, but they say timings and everything. Yeah, and, it is. And and when people, you know, I always think about when you wish you did something 20 years ago, you know, you didn't, it wasn't the time right. you just, yeah. it, it, you weren't ready for it. It wasn't, it right. just didn't line up. No and point, no point in spending time wishing things were different because they right. aren't, they are I'm here. Just thankful. Yeah. I'm thankful for my business. I'm thankful for everything that has been put in my path. Um, and I'll never take anything for granted. So you know, I'm really lucky to have what I have. Yeah. I want to ask just a little bit because I'm curious about the tanning business. Is that, um, is that primarily like an operations business where you got to have the right location and then the equipment's the equipment, right? Or am I wrong? No, you, yeah, no, you're wrong. Definitely wrong about that. So, you know, back in the day when we were at the gym, Uh you know, you could stand in one of those tanning booths and it was, you know, ancient and, you know, had like those, the chain link fence in front of the lights. Exactly. Just <laughs> yeah. crazy, right? Like burning your skin off. Yeah. Um, but, you know, back, the, what, 10 years ago, eight years ago, um, you had to have state of the art. Mm-hmm. And this was expensive. These beds are expensive. You need a good location. Um, one of my salons was right in White City in Shrewsbury, which is, I don't, you know where that is, right? Yep. 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 So, you know, big, huge shopping plaza, tons of traffic. But, you know, you got to have the state of the art stuff. You know, if you want to have like the old gym equipment, sure. But you're going to charge five bucks a tan mm-hmm. versus, you know, one of our beds was 25 bucks a tan. Yep. But once so. you have that equipment in place, it, it just sits there and serves the business, right? So it's, it's more of, it seems like it's more of, sure, you have to find the right equipment. But once you do, it's about having the right place where you can get the people to you, right? And then finding a way to get them in the door. And that had to be a challenge, the marketing of the business, right? Because oh, yeah, everyone everyone tells you you should never tan. It's terrible. Don't ever tan. Right. Don't, don't ever go in the sun. Don't ever see nature. You know, it, <laughs> if you're going to listen to a dermatologist, stay right now is the ideal time to a dermatologist, right? right? right. Everyone's staying home and indoors. So how do you balance that with, um, well, you don't have to, I mean, not only really how, but it has to be a, a marketing angle, right? Of how do you totally. get people to come in? How, was there a consumer education part to the marketing or is it more about deals? You know, what worked? Yeah. So uh, there were a bunch of things and I actually turned it into more of a spa. So we had tanning, but we also had different types of spray tanning. We had skin surfaces, um, laser hair removal, teeth whitening. We had all that stuff. One of my salons had a hair salon in it. So we made it more of a spa, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the people that want to tan, your stuff is right there. Go for it. Here's a deal, you know, and you always have to do different deals. Yeah. Every yeah. month I had a different special, different incentive. You'd be um, weird if you didn't have a deal. Yeah. You can't just go in for one. You need at least a three package or, well, you know, it's so, gotta be something. Yeah. Monthly specials, all that stuff. Buy one, get one free. You know, you just, you have to be creative and, you know, luckily I'm, I'm pretty good at marketing. So I just, said, all right, we're going to do this this month and free bottle of lotion, do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you got to get people in the doors, but you also have to sell them. You know, like if you're, you have a crappy personality in any business, yeah. you know, like when I get my nails done, if you suck, you know, and I don't want to talk to you and you're rude, I'm never going back. Right. You know, you will always have my business if you are a good business owner. Um, you know, there's a restaurant friend of mine and she's just, I met her just by going in there. It's a sushi place in Northborough. She makes it a point every single time to go to every single table, every single night. She knows everybody's name, you know, and I learned from that. I'm like, that is honestly awesome. Yeah. Cause you, you will think about the way it makes you feel when she stops totally. by the table, you know, that's everything. Yeah. Totally. So, you know, it's just, you learn little things when you own a business or are thinking about owning a business, you know, try to learn from the best. I say, you know, I look at these people, I'm like, that's what I want to do. Yep. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so then you, when you do flip to real estate, which is 
totally unrelated. Now it's yeah. not about your office being in the right location or having the right equipment. So all, all of what you had applied, not that you didn't learn tons about business and that, of yeah. course, you can apply all that knowledge. But it, I, I think it's fun and awesome because I've, I've owned other businesses too and none of them were really related to the main one or to the, you know, yeah. to what I do for a living. And that's why I did it. That's what made it fun was to do yeah. something totally new, to be, to be a complete amateur and try to figure it out. And that, that's what was fun. So that's got to be, but it seems like you put it together fast with the real estate thing. It's, you said under five years now, right? And you've got, you said 12 people working at the, yeah. at the firm now. Yep. And we've won, you know, knock on wood, you know, a bunch of like best realtor, best residential brokerage, um, you know, and we're still the newbies. So, you know, we had to work really hard to prove ourselves. Um, you know, so my goal was just to make it known that, you know, I'm a realtor, I'm in this, um, you know, this is, I'm in here for the long haul, you know, I'm literally at your service, whatever you need. And then this is our mission. You know, we really want to take care of our community and, you know, we're just, I always say we're more than just realtors. Yeah. So over, over the years and all the different businesses, is there any recurring lesson or underlying lesson you've taken away from owning business? Yes. Make every single person that you come in contact with feel like they're, they're your only client. Yeah, that's huge. That, I, I agree with that. And it's, um, it I didn't learn it early either. It was, it was, yeah. it's something that's a lesson that comes, I think with humility and it comes later, at least for me, but I com completely agree. doesn't matter yeah. if it's a big client, small client, doesn't uh, matter. it doesn't matter if it's a shiny client that you can show off or it's something you have to keep secret. It's yeah. making them feel be because they are right. If you're dealing with them at that moment, they are the most important client because they're the one you're talking to and they're the one you're servicing. And it, you know, for a long time, I thought, for me, it was like, I, I just didn't have my head in that place. And for me, it was, well, you know, they pay me, I do what they need. And it was more, I don't want to say it was transactional, but it was more transactional than it is now. Now, yeah. I, I honestly look at it like, these people are helping me feed my kids and pay for goalie clinics and stuff where it's all, it's all just related to my life now, where I used to think yeah. of my business as a business. I used to think of clients as clients. I just don't have that mindset anymore. Now it's all related. There is no work life. There's just, this is my life. That's what I do for work. And this is how it all affects everything. So, I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm more open in my relationship with clients now too, where it's more just like, you're either going to be my friend or you're going to get rid of us. Cause it's just going to, yeah. it's going to be open and I'm going to be candid and it's just going to, this is what you get. Yeah. I always say, you know, when I, when a new client hires me, you know, I say, this is like a relationship. You know, if I'm selling your home, like we're going to be in a relationship for the next 90 days per se, mm -hmm. I want you to feel a hundred percent comfortable with me. And, you know, and I take care of people. That's the biggest thing. So, you know, if you're my client, I'm looking at you as, I want to help Adam's mother, brother, sister, cousin, and best friend. Not, I want to close this one deal with Adam. Yeah. And I try to train new agents with that because, you know, they're so concerned about their first commission is going to be. And I said, listen, who gives a crap about your first commission? I know you need to make money, but you need to look at the bigger picture. Right. You want to get 50 referrals out of these people. And I've sold million dollar homes. I've sold $80,000 condos. And again, you take care of them the same. It doesn't matter how much you're making or how much the house is. Um, because again, referrals are the name of the game and appreciation and truly taking care of people. And even when I'm all over the place, I'll still stop what I'm doing. If you have a question, I'm going to answer it Yeah. or I'm going to get to you, you know, as soon as possible and let you know that I'm working on it. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's hard to do, but it's important. Mm -hmm. It's important to let, let people feel that way. Yeah. So, um, does we're almost at an hour and okay. I don't want to, I want to be aware and cognizant of your time because you got more important things to do than talk to me, but I have a couple okay. more things I wanted to ask yeah. you about the, you got the key to the city from Worcester for some of this charity I did, work. Yeah. I, I just wanted to bring that up. Cause I think it's worth bringing up. And what, what's that yeah. like? <laughs> you know, it was really cool. And it was such a huge surprise. So people that really know me, like I do a lot of charity and yes, I'm out there like on social media, but when it comes down to like, being recognized or like praised. It's not my thing. That's the first thing I thought of was that you would be like squirmy. Yeah. It's just not my thing at all. Like, you know, we did an event in the park um, two years ago and everyone's like, get up there and talk. And it's just not my thing. I can rally the troops and motivate everyone, but I don't like it to be all about me because it's not all about me. Mm -hmm. I always just say I'm the most, um, but it takes all these people to come together to really make it happen. So I really want the focus to be on them. But, you know, I just had to, you know, suck it up and, you know, show them. I mean, it was, it was a huge honor, obviously. Like, like you don't get the key to the city every day. No, that's a big deal. It's, uh, but it's, it's, it almost seems like a, 
like a cartoon or a movie thing. Like it's not, it doesn't seem real. I've never met anyone else that got the key to a city. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I literally like when I, when someone said, you know, you're getting the key to the city. I'm like, what? Like, what what does that even mean? What does it Uh, mean? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, they look at it, you know, it doesn't open some vault. I wish it did, but um, you know, it's just one of those honors, like getting a trophy, Yeah, you know, to say, you know, and you get like these, merits and you know these awards it, it's pretty cool how you know all these people come together and, and they come out and you know they just recognize the good stuff that you do and that's motivating to me too yeah that is awesome and um i'm just going you know in random order with questions i still have so you know bear yeah. with me i go off on tangents <laughs> going back to the backpacks the yeah. you had a mission you were trying to help homeless folks as well yeah. as kids do you yep. stuff backpacks for both that's something i wasn't clear on not on the same day. So in the fall, no, no, but for both yeah. you do. Oh yeah. So it's yep. just a different backpack that gets filled, right? Different. Exactly. Things. So in the fall we do for the homeless to get them ready for winter. So mm-hmm. we do all cold weather gear, um, you know, um, hand and foot warmers and snacks and, you know, socks, hats. I just gloves. love how practical it is. You stuff a backpack and then hand it to them. They can put it on, take it with them. You know, they've got challenges of, you know, how to bring things around with them and yep. what they can keep. So it gives them a new storage unit. And it gives yep. them stuff to put in it to help them fight what they're coming up against. I, it's just, it's, it's, I don't it's know, the simplicity cool. is awesome. Yeah. It's cool when you're kind of like, I mean, it sucks to see homeless people, but it's cool when you drive around the city and you see them with your backpack on. Um, and the way that that started is I was driving down route nine and it was winter and I saw a guy like, you know, you know, panhandling for money mm-hmm. and he had his stuff in like a, a, a plastic stop and shop bag. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like no gloves, crappy jacket. I'm like, oh God, like he's in the, it's the middle of winter. He's freezing his ass off. No hat, yeah. no nothing. So that's when I said, Hey, I put it out there. Who wants to help me fill? I think i said 20 backpacks thinking that was like aggressive. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we held it at the bottom floor of a church in the basement and we thought there'd be like 50 people there. There were like 400 people there. And we were like running out of food and we had, you know, like it was literally so crazy. And, you know, um, may, I mean, Congressman McGovern came and, you know, all these people came and I'm like, my God, like I'm not prepared for this, you know, what just happened. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it was amazing. We had a box truck full of supplies for the homeless. So I, I give most of it to, um, a friend of mine, Richard Gonzalez, he runs it's a nonprofit called net of compassion. And he does, he takes care of the homeless in the city of Worcester. So he's an amazing guy, selfless, and does this like literally seven days a week, all day, every day. Mm. Um, and then every Saturday, he feeds the homeless. They feed over 300 people every Saturday on Main Street outside. So it, they get like all of our stuff. So he rolls up. He has a couple of, you know, his guys that awesome. are helpers. And they stuff their, the, the um, box truck and they're on their merry way. Mm. And then, uh, it, awesome, awesome, awesome. And you also have uh, a radio show that I see you doing. It. You seem to go, you go Facebook Live when you do it, and you do a radio show. What's that all about? Yep. So I, my old radio show was called the Good you're not, News. Radio you're not busy show. or anything, right? So might yeah, have yeah. a show into it. <laughs> so the Good News Radio Show was what I did with um, my friend Dale Page. So that was what we did. We'd go Facebook Live. We'd do all that stuff, um, and we would basically feature like local people, uh, nonprofits, people that make a difference in the community. And now I have my own show called the Castanetti Realty Roundtable. And basically that is, you know, talking more about real estate and, and all that. But I've kind of made it to the point where we, you know, feature again, people that make a difference in the community because it's more than just real estate, you know, and it's more than, you know, who I am. So I really like to showcase people that, you know, step up and do stuff and they deserve to be recognized too. Where do people find that show? So I usually post about it, but it's on WCRN. Okay. Um, it's on Radio Worcester. And then um, on like my Facebook pages, my Andrea Castanet Realty, um, uh, Andrea Castanet Realtor or Castanet Realty Group, I post all the links each week. So we're on every Monday from 9 to 9.30. Awesome. That's awesome. So we're at an hour, so I know you've got other <laughs> things to do. Um, but I'd like to do this again when we can actually sit face to face and have a normal discussion. So once this clears up, maybe we can do a second hour and talk about everything else, but that would be, that that would be awesome. But I would love it. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? I'm in no rush, but I know you've got, I I feel bad keeping you from the things. My dog's actually sleeping. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'll take it, but you know, I mean, if people have business questions, like, you know, one thing about me is I'm just very real. 
you know, there, there's, I don't ever hide anything. I always say the good, the bad, the ugly, um, you know, and people can always get in touch with me. You know, they can find me obviously on Facebook, Andrea Castanetti. Um, you know, they can email me, they can find my website. It's homesbycrg.com. Um, you know, and if you have questions or, you know, you want to kind of get like the ins and outs, send me a message. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah, of course. No, I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, again, you're doing your part here. So this is awesome. Uh, I hope it helps. I'm glad if I can do anything. Yeah, no, it totally will. And, uh, you know, hopefully in a few months we can be face to face and, you know, do our second show. We will. We will. It'll be good.